Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. One second. Hang on one second. Hang on while we do this. Oh, and is I'll he just, just going to slam this to whatever? <laughs> yes. High PA he's on? Barry's going to slam a row of thin mints. Barry? I'm ready. Barry. I have a couple of bars. I'm ready. Oh, really? I'm already on number two, and we're not even 10 seconds in. Hi, I'm Hurley Mania. I'm Mr. Hotballs. And I'm Mary Brown. And we're going to tell you the story of the 2005-2006 Yukon Huskies. We're a polished unit, Jeremy. This is, <laughs> this is not your first rodeo. This is your first rodeo for this season, though. Yeah, yeah. Then last and last. Let's get yeah. that misconception right out of the way. This is it. You get one take, people. <laughs> It was going so well. They won the 2004 National Championship. Many of these players were on that team. The 2004-05 team started kind of slow, found their groove. Rashad Anderson almost died, didn't. And they were red hot going to the Big East Tournament where they played like crap. And they went to the NCAA Tournament. And they almost lost to Central Florida. Thankfully, a basketball program UConn never crossed paths with again. Ever. In a, in a 215 game. Uh, and then in the next round, they got Julius Hodge in Worcester. About 95 year old Julius Hodge. Not actually 95. Don't fact check me. That's correct. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he was getting revenge for losing to UConn his freshman year, um, which was in the Mesozoic period. But, you know, as depressing as that ending was, you know, losing in the second round, actually losing to UMass in basketball that year. Um, going into this year, whole team was back. And Hot Balls, they had a couple of really interesting recruits. Well, well, they almost had a couple of really interesting recruits. Well, they almost had Andrew Bynum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He was committed. He was going to UConn, and the only thing holding it back was if he had a first-round NBA draft guarantee. At Hot Balls, there was no way anybody was going to be dumb enough to do that. Enter the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, 10th overall. And that was after lots of protests from Coach Calhoun. He was not happy about the decision, to say the least. And... uh yeah, after that, Andrew Bynum kind of became a talking point as to uh, the development of Hilt Armstrong for the next however many years or whatever. So, yeah, man. What could have been? And it, you're right. All summer was, oh, no, we're going to have to play Hilton Armstrong. We're going to have to play Hilton Armstrong. And then, as it turns out, 
Milton Armstrong has an incredible senior year and becomes an NBA lottery pick himself. Uh, great player, great energy. I remember he would end the warm-ups before every game. He would take a, a half-court shot, and he would actually hit him pretty often. Which this is 2006, okay? So when I'm telling you a six eleven guy who weighs about a buck thirty is hitting threes, this blew everyone's mind. I was a senior at UConn. Mary was a sophomore. Uh, Mr. Outballs was old, so Mary and I were in the student section more often than the old man. And this was like you know breaking every understanding of basketball. That was the thing that would happen before inevitably a really big home game, a Big East game. You see that, and I would be like, they they're never going to lose. They can't lose. They can't lose. Bill Armstrong's a lottery pick and he's hitting threes. What what's the worst that could happen? So Hilton Armstrong, they have they have Rashad Anderson, they have Josh Boone, they have Denim Brown. This team has experience. We do have to talk about who they didn't have at point guard to start the season. We have to well we have to yeah. mention that. Karma, if you believe in karma, this team is your pretty strong like evidence case because they also had a point guard named marcus williams and they had a freshman point guard named aj price and normally hot balls you know it's good when the point guards you know because you're in charge of the show right so you want your senior point guard <laughs> to take your freshman point guard under his wing teach him the ropes <laughs> I don't think this was quite the way Jim Calhoun intended it. When stealing laptops is that? Can it, I just say it? There, I said it. In it's, September, it's yeah, Marcus Williams. Bring it back, Circuit City at stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there were some stolen laptop shenanigans. This threatened to derail the season. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't the same for the two point guards, though, was it? We have to say uh, Marcus Williams is allowed to come back for Biggie's play, which yeah. was thanks. Yeah, thanks. yeah. So, so the really stiff punishment from Shum Calhoun was who was not at all terrified of losing the key to the best, most talented team he's ever had. In no way was he worried about that whatsoever. He was being fair and honest. In giving uh, uh, Marcus Williams a, a, a suspension for the first 11 games of the season, uh, sorry, the first 10 games of the season, no, 11, because the 12th happened to be the first conference game, total coincidence, and uh, A.J. Price, the true freshman who never played, uh, got banged the whole year. Um, so total coincidence, uh, totally fair. Uh, Hopalls, I think you'll agree there was no self-interest in any of those uh, adjudications. Nothing. It was a totally reasonable thing. I mean, Marcus Williams went off. He went and, and he got his, uh, uh, his uh, Geek Squad certification and <laughs> uh, went legit and is allowed to come back. Yeah, totally normal. We forgot two personnel notes for UConn, by the way, that they had added Rudy Gay to this team. And Ed Nelson, yeah. AC. PC Rookie of the Year, Ed Nelson, and his pickup truck. So, yeah, also yeah, loaded. UConn is also rap. loaded. Superstar rapper as well. Yeah, rap, rap superstar Ed Nelson. Uh, I actually have the whole album somewhere. Ed Nelson's from, like, uh... The Swamp. <laughs> Kills his food. Probably has a booty knife in his high top at all times. Yeah. yeah. So, we need to hype up this team a little more because you have to understand how good they were. Like, they could do anything they had guys who could shoot threes they had multiple guys who could shoot threes they could kill you in transition they could run the set offense they had guys who could create their own shots 
they were a number one team uh, in block shots. They were rebounding. They could they could kill you in any way. They could do anything. This is this team was like loaded at every position at least two. Well, for the season, loaded every position two to three deep in some cases. Team was so loaded they brought in the ACC freshman of the year. They brought in the highest rated recruit they'd ever had, depending on what system you go in. And Rudy Gay. So honest question as an as an interlude here and. It, it, it bears asking, is this team the most talented UConn team ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Talent-wise, talent wise, yes, it has to be. They had, I believe, six guys go to the NBA? Four. They definitely have four. Well, it depends. Right? Look, AJ Price got suspended for the year. He was like a, had like an eight-year NBA career. That's five. Adrian, had five Rudy. guys go to the NBA. Rudy. <laughs> And five, Rudy, Boone, Rudy, Lottery, Armstrong, Williams, Hilton. Adrian, five. five. Six if you count Andrew Bynum. Six if you count Bynum. <laughs> if, you, if you count A.J. Price. He was in, A.J. Price was in every practice. He practiced all year. So they weren't lacking in talent. It is without question the most talented team they've ever had. It's not even – there wasn't a position they weren't strong at. Not one. There was one thing they couldn't do and did them all well. Um, yep. And they, it's looked that way for the start of the year. Like, the team starts the season, they go out to Pepperdine. Uh, Pam and Tommy Lear at the game because it's in Malibu. It's so is it's seventeen years, but doesn't feel that old, right? How, what if I told you UConn number three in the preseason, their first game of the season, they played on the road in a West Coast Conference gym. Oh, how was, times have changed! And it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't televised too. I, I want to say it is, but the fact that pa- Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee were there and it wasn't televised is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, so you kind of struggled a bit, but they've, and UNC has done this before where before they go to Maui, they'll stop over at pick some West Coast Conference team to play there before on the way out. So you kind of did that. They won at Pepperdine and they went out to the Maui Invitational and it's important note. For all that he had done, Jim Calhoun, and this doesn't matter really, but Jim Calhoun had never won an in-season tournament at UConn coach. They had always, hot balls nose, they always ate it against somebody bad in Alaska or Maui or anywhere. Remember Jess Settles up in Alaska that one year with Iowa absolutely scored like a gazillion points. Game played at like three in the morning Eastern, yeah. So they had never they had never done that. They never won a pre- in-season tournament. So they go out there and they get uh, Arkansas first game win. They Arizona top ten team and they basically just shadow box them in the second game. And then the third game they get Gonzaga who had who was right up there. This was Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison. This was maybe the most well until twenty twenty one maybe the most loaded Gonzaga team they've ever had. And UConn's got to play them Mary in that tiny little gym. It was my senior year, and I was—I did the student radio for the team, and I was probably at 25 of these games. And it's the most whiny, selfish I'll ever be about anything. I was all, they're going to win it all. I'm going to get to call the Final Four. This is my, so cringy looking back and awful. But that was my position was they're not going to lose. I know the exact moment which I finally realized they would. We'll get to that later. But all season long, I was like, no, they, nobody's beating them. Nobody can beat them. Nobody, like in the tournament, like they're going to lose games. Nobody's going to beat them. And they really didn't do much at the start of the season to dissuade me of that notion. 
including the Gonzaga game in Maui when Denim Brown hits a turnaround baseline jumper. Over Adam Morrison. Yeah, over, over Adam Morrison. UConn's maybe, Denim Brown, UConn's what, sixth best player? Hits a tier, it hits a, it's a fadeaway right in the face of the potential national player of the year. Mm-hmm. In a 5,000 degree gym out in Hawaii, Jim Calhoun gets his first in-season tournament. They're holding up the surfboard and everything, and it's almost taller than Tilton Armstrong. It's like, this team's unstoppable. They're never losing to anybody. They, they come back home. They get, they, because they play their first four games away from home, and they play well. They come home and they play a million games at home. And then they go and they open up. And a team they've never played before because this is the first year that the Big East Conference features schools we have never interacted with, such as Marquette. Marquetti. It's Marquetti. Is that Italian? Marquetti? <laughs> yes. No, it is. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah. For a program with a lot of traditions in it, um, dropping the Big East opener is perhaps usually one oh, of our the things yeah. that we look forward to annually. Tradition. So no matter how good we are. And uh, the inflection point for that tradition, the birth night, the opening night of that, huh. it's January 3rd, 2006. Marcus Williams is back. We're all excited. We got our point guard back. A thing that was not debated at all by anybody. UConn wasn't at all being roasted in the media for this. Nope. Nope. Not. Everybody <laughs> was totally cool with it. And they get him back, and they're playing at the Bradley Center against Marquette. And then Steve Novak. Steve Novak. Steve Novak absolutely pulled his pants down and dropped it on UConn. I believe he dropped a 40 burger on him. 41. It was it was stunning. It was a stunning loss. Marquette's first ever game of the Big East. Crowd was nuts. Magical night for Steve Novak. They turn around. And it's not like it set them on a spiral because they then win their next 11 after that. Well, so the LSU game, though, so the LSU game was tight. And they almost lost that game. The thing I remember about that game is, I don't know if you remember. So Hilton was, he was stuck on the bench for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he basically decided that when he came back in, he like, this is my game and I'm going to take this game over and I'm going to win this game. And he, he did that. And when you saw that, you said, okay, these guys can't, they can take a punch. If they are going to get punched, they can take a punch and they can take the, take it back over and do it. And then you saw that game and you were like, okay. Yeah, this was the first year of the Big East SEC Challenge. And they were legit that year, weren't they? They They were the Final Four. Yes, they were. Yes. Holy shit, I didn't forget that. (laughs) So LSU was up seven at the half. And me, you know, all of my feelings, I'm like, at halftime, I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? This team is not supposed to be any good. This this team's not supposed to be any good, LSU. You had Tyrus Thomas, big baby, and went to a Final Four. Yes. Might be their best win of the year, looking back on it. Um, And UConn storms back in the second half, and they win the game 67-66. And that's the game after the Marquette loss. So it's like, you know, hot balls. They lost at Marquette. They barely beat LSU. Wheels must be coming off. No, no, no. They turn on. They stop 25th-ranked Cincy. And then they get rolling in Big East play. And it's a train. I was privileged. This is a statement that doesn't exist, but in this context, I was privileged to be at the Carrier Dome on mm. Monday, January 16th, 2006, uh. as UConn blew the doors off of Syracuse. They and they were, were neck and neck. They were, it, they were both, what, 13 and 1 at that point? They were, I mean, it was UConn and Syracuse in the conference. 
And they, that was a statement in the conference. That was like, we own it. It was the 9 p.m. Big Monday game. It was a, a late Big East tip, I believe. And UConn was up 45-25 at the half. Marcus Williams in that game was the best point guard performance I've ever seen. He shredded the zone. He just, he played with it. He How many assists did he have in that? A million. <laughs> a million sounds right. Hilton Armstrong was put on this earth to demolish the Syracuse zone. <laughs> they, they killed them. At one point, pre- Somebody on Syracuse had a big dunk second half and like got in Hilton Armstrong's face. I even said on air to cut it to to cut it to eighteen. Like it was just, and then late down the stretch, like Syracuse started just started hacking UConn because UConn wasn't probably a great free throw shooting team, and it felt like the game was going away. UConn won by eight. Like they just casually won at the Carrier Dome. The next game, I was also blessed to be at that. They went for College Game Day. They went that Saturday night at, at Louisville. Oh, yeah. I got to see Freedom Hall and, and College Game Day. And that crowd was nuts, and UConn won these pretty comfortably. So back-to-back games on the road at the Carrier Dome at Louisville. Then they go, they win at Providence comfortably, which if you tell any UConn fan, is like a theory more than a thing that happens. But it did, and so they were they were just rolling along. Uh, I'm pulling up. I got. I was lucky. I was at the game at Indiana. I got to see them win at Assembly Hall. UConn never plays there. They had a series with Indiana. They won it at Assembly Hall. And at this point in February, I'm like, they might have to start playing NBA teams. There's <laughs> no way this team isn't winning a national title or at least going to a Final Four. There's no chance. Yeah, in that stretch, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Ken Palm top 50 wins. They weren't good, but they beat Seton Hall by 42 points on the road. I was in the building the night they lost at Villanova. I was up in the in the ring. Villanova was a top five team. Uh, they stormed the court. That was I would argue that was actually Jay Wright's first signature win at Villanova, yep. because he had a. They were really good too, but they had to show they could beat UConn. And that night they did. Um, they played with them, but then UConn gets revenge two weeks later on them at home. Which, by the way, if you want a thing that you can look yes, back yes, on, from this, if you want something you can watch from this season, go watch the highlights of the UConn home game against Villanova. That will make you feel good. We have to mention the second Syracuse game because it sets up the Big East tournament and what a mm, that was. So they win the first game comfortably, easily. The second game in the series, I remember Jerry McNamara didn't play much because he had a Zach. What did he have? He had a something. He had a, he was. A, I don't. Know. I don't, I don't yeah. remember. UConn's up eighteen at the half. And all the student section is chanting, "Is where is Jerry?" The yeah, he had second half. He was butthurt or something, whatever. He couldn't play, um, and they they just they throttled them like they absolutely throttled them defensively, like they couldn't do anything. And it was such I got such pleasure out of watching them throttle Syracuse, so they were completely impotent. And inept, and it was wonderful. And I, after that game, I said they're never losing to Syracuse. Maybe it's my fault. I said they're never losing to Syracuse for the rest. Yeah. They win that game, then they they win by forty plus Seton Hall. They oh, so the game after the Nova game, which was a couple games later, they go and they, I was at the game out West Virginia. I remember it was during the two thousand six Olympics because February. I remember watching that in the morning, and then they go there and uh, West Virginia student makes like a racial slur towards Hilton Armstrong in the crowd. Hostile crowd. 
Okay, really hostile, and they win there pretty comfortably. And it was like an, an early afternoon game at the WVU Coliseum, which has the windows up yep. top. And I'm like halfway up the stands, and so I've got like glare shining in my eyes the entire goddamn second half while I'm trying to do this game. Um, and they play well, and they win that game. And they, they close out the season really strong. And on my senior day, because, yes, I'm selfish at this point, I'm 21. That's whatever 21-year-old is. They go, and it's tough, but they beat Louisville at home. 84-80. They are 27-2. and two. They're the Big East regular season champions. They won the Maui Invitational. They avenged every loss they could avenge. They drubbed Syracuse twice, Barry. Everything is perfect. Rashad Anderson, Anderson takes the trophy and brings it into the student section. And we're, we're winners. We have a trophy. <laughs> it was wonderful. We you were a winner. I'm a winner. Look what I did. I'm a winner. Uh, me. I mean, we um, were winning. <laughs> then, then they made their way down to New York City for our favorite event of the year, Mr. Uh, Hot Balls. The first ever 16-team extravaganza. Big East Tournament. There was a lot of Tuesday. There was a lot of Wednesday, but that didn't pertain to UConn. First one I ever went to. That's my shortest Big East Tournament, and you guys know me. I do the Big East Tournament in a way that a lot of other people don't. (laughs) I have a gear that I can hit at the Big East Tournament, and I was literally the Grandpa Simpson me. I got off the train, went to the game, Went right back to the train. I had hotel book the whole weekend. Oh, I mean, Saturday night, I was ready to, like, self-immolate myself. Like, I was going to do shit to my body that hasn't been done in a long time. And I just got right back on the train and came back. Like, I literally didn't even go to my hotel to check in. I went. I walked in at, like, 10 o'clock that night, 11 o'clock. And my wife's looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, <laughs> Let me tell you about what happened tonight. Well, so Jerry McNamara was on one leg. Syracuse at that point was on was a three-legged dog because they had lost three in a row coming into the tournament. They were as good as dead. They were roadkill. I was not worried. Not worried. Um, they had just gotten fisted by DePaul like very recently. Um, not worried about facing Syracuse in the Big East tournament. Yeah, they had to play on the first day, and they had to play in the early slot. And not, to my grave, Jerry McNamara absolutely travels against Cincinnati. Thursday <laughs> on that shot, he takes seventeen steps, hits a weird runner, and then post game, a young what can only be said Damon Amendolara, I guess, decides to open his fucking mouth at Jim Beheim and piss Jim off. Mary. Is that the we won the one ten effing game? Is that that quote or was it? Yeah, it's a quote that you won have won ten fucking games if not for Jerry McNamara, which is yeah. fair because they basically at this point have won like twelve. Yeah. Um, so many origin like, stories on this team too. So we got Marion there, we got Damon. It's crazy. And mm-hmm. so they they win the Cincy game and Beheim's all fired up because his point guard's not getting up. Uh, you know, love. And then they come out the next day against UConn with none to lose, and they play great. Syracuse is up like 10 in the first half. Ominers breakdown, but, is, you know, it's going to be all right. They're going to the, they're gonna figure it out. This team had always figured it out, Mary. This team had always figured it out. In the second because, half. Because. 
because if they ever got hit, they would punch back and they were down yeah. 10 or whatever it was. And they clawed back because they were a really good team and they could do anything. And so they came back and they, they were ahead. They were ahead. They were ahead with how, like, they were 10 up, seconds. They were up three with 10 seconds left and they got a switch, which resulted in Jerry McNamara being guarded by Rashad Anderson. And Rashad Anderson is my favorite Husky of all time. But Rashad Anderson might be the worst defensive player (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. And if you don't believe me, ask Rashad Anderson. He will be the first to tell you. Uh, This switch aggressively did not play to UConn's strengths. Jerry hits a three. They force overtime. He hits another shot in overtime. Denim hit some threes. Denim hit a couple threes. The, the silent assassin, the hot balls nose, the famous. What's the fat one fact about uh, Dave, uh, about Denim Brown? Scored over 100 points in a That's one. He scored 111 points in a game in high school in yep. Toronto. You know Canada. how short those games are? I've always wanted to do the math <laughs> on how he could have done it. The exchange rate. The game. Many basketball games. The exchange rate. There's <laughs> much shorter games. Hard to do. And even after that, even after that. I was still confident. I was like, all right, yeah, that sucks. But you know what, Syracuse, they had something to play for. And they went that on, they won the big tournament. That loss was gutting. I remember walking really out of MSG, and this that was awful. Well, well, I had expectations. I had a lot of expectations for that weekend that were not fulfilled. Probably <laughs> for the best, because I may I, – I, uh, I, I come close to killing myself every Big East tournament, but that one probably would have been – Probably would have been the, the grand And the other thing is, the year before, UConn played like crap and had lost in the biggest tournament. Two? Syracuse. Syracuse. This is the perfect opponent, wounded animal. You've beaten them by an average of 900 points. Groinless Jerry McNamara. UConn well, has a good Syracuse. You know, team stuck. Yeah, team stuck. And he never played well against UConn is the thing. Like, never. Jerry McNamara not was once. not a UConn killer. Not once. It was never. an inside until, joke. Until. He was. <laughs> yeah, and he led them all the way to the rich heights of a second round throttling at the hands of Texas a um, Yeah, on that day he was. And it was. it is kind of nice. They don't even have that because Kemba then did five games in five days. But this was the first. This was the four games in four days. Syracuse did that. And as Syracuse always does, they took absolutely no advantage of it and immediately flamed out because that's who they are and that's what they do. Uh, they're a failure. They're a failed state. Um, but they did win the Big East tournament. We did not. So UConn sits around, plays one game in a two-week span. They, they've won the regular season. They have not won the Big East tournament. They have aggressively not won the Big East tournament. Election Sunday comes around, get a one seed, feel great. Might have been the number one overall seed. Uh, there were one or two. I'm pretty uh, sure we were one. NCAA is doing a weird thing this year. I'm still bitter about it where they named the regions after the cities. They did it for the men and the women. The women still do it. With still, hate it. still hate it. That shit needs to go away. And so do the Ronald McDonald courts, if I may, for a minute. Donald Gortz, the fucking, yeah, this is the East Waxahachie region. 
It's the Midwest, <laughs> Southeast, <laughs> East and West. And just put the stupid fucking logo on the court, all right, and play the goddamn game. So I know where the fuck the game is being played because that's important to me for no other reason than it is. So the other side of this is UConn's success in 99 and 04. And Jeremy, I realize to a Dayton fan this is a galling complaint, but let me make it. UConn has always (laughs) – and even since – has always – three of the four title years – I know I'm complaining about that – have come out of the West region. UConn only had one year in their history where they were at this point where they had had a great run where they came out of the East. So it was never, nobody was ever nearby. So this was, they were a one seed. They were in ostensibly the East regional. I got to play the first two games in Philadelphia. This is great, great season. They got to play close to home. A lot of fans can come out and support the boys. Oh, what should be a, a an unencumbered run through an East region whose bracket largely falls apart. <laughs> and before the first game, they were playing Albany. And they did everything they could to so lose. Before that game, the, the then UConn SID, a good personal friend of ours named Kyle Muncy. Mm-hmm. Um, Very close. Mm-hmm. So he's the SID at this point, longtime SID for UConn men's basketball, years under Calhoun. <laughs> He comes over to me. The place they put us for the student media, because it's the NCAA runs it so that you just go where you go. Like, the schools can't control it. Our spot ended up being directly, I mean directly, behind the UConn bench. Like, middle, right there. Muncie comes out and he looks at me. He does like, it's like he's seen a ghost. I go, what? He goes, what are you doing here? I go, this is where they signed us. This is your seats? Yeah. He goes, all right, two things. One, do you have a crowd mic? I go, yeah. He's like, no, no, you don't. You can't use that. Because you can't pick up Jim. It's not going to be good for you. You're going to get thrown out the SEC. Okay, fair enough. Because Jim Calhoun liked to curse. And the other thing was, he said, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not make direct eye contact with Jim Calhoun. <laughs> You'll turn to stone. I thought that was weird. But I'm also like, hey, how about this? hey, hey it's, a, it's a 116 game. You know? They're going to be up 40. We're all going to be having a nice time. Not gonna need to worry about this, right, Mary? It's going to go so easily. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, only up one at the half there, and then yeah. at, at some point in the second half, we have a, a double digit deficit mm-hmm. for UConn. To, to, yeah, that happened to um it did. They didn't look like we talk about this all the time. So we don't talk about the team to be named later. But when we talk about this tournament run, we talk about with all the talent that UConn had this year, with all of the bullets in this gun, it felt like they mailed it in, in this tournament. It felt like they just didn't want to win. It was bizarre. It was infuriating. And... Whenever I look back on this team, that's that's I feel like they fucked it up. Did they think that they were just going to like cakewalk through? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. I mean, here's an honest question. Oof, we're gonna get dark now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Would it have been worse if they got knocked out by Albany in the first round? Because they fucking flirted with it. 
Like that's as scared as I've been for a one versus 16 seed going probably back. I mean, that's probably got to be the worst scare going back to Georgetown and Princeton, right? It's got to be. I was going to say Georgetown Princeton was like worse, but like. Also- that was a bigger spread in talent for sure. Mm-hmm. But like. That would have been, yeah, if they had lost to Albany, that would have been. I'd. I'd... <laughs> Well yeah, no, this, is a, this is a UConn team that had six or seven guys who had won a national championship two years before and six or seven who would go into the NBA. And I've always thought about it as part of it. Like they were obvious. They were all focused. What's this? They were looking at the NBA. These are guys who had time for like winking at the camera, yep. like doing the jersey strut. You remember Rudy doing the backup after like the yep. windmill dunk? Like they were so... They were just yeah. Rudy Rudy hits a windmill dunk in the Big East tournament in the open court. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. But they lose the game. <laughs> um, they had all the talent, and they but they knew it. And that they, dunk though, it was that insane. they still run. It's such an eighteen, nineteen year old kid thing, though. You know what I mean? Like they all can. It wasn't just him. Rashad was the one winking. Like it was not just Rudy Gay. They were all right. Rashad's the one winking, and Rashad and that team had like the 04 team was led by Karan, not not by Karan, by Michael Okafor and Ben Gordon, who had gone to the NBA. So this was all the other guys who were very important on that team: Josh Boone, Hilton Armstrong. The drive for this team was supposed to be those guys getting to show that they were just elite level. In the end, it was those guys already had their ring. And they were hoping they got another one, but you know they had enough talent to beat anybody, and they thought so. Like, um, but yeah, we were on Albany. Albany was a brutal experience, and it's all. He started it that night, and to this day, if you bring up Jim Cal, just up to Jim Calhoun, he always says, "The game goes another five minutes, we win by twenty-five points." It's like, well, Jim, mm-hmm. it didn't. So <laughs> it's always been like, and they were, they were, they were, they were breaking away at the end. They won by. 13, they they killed Al Albany at the end. Albany ran out of gas and fairy dust in the last eight minutes. <laughs> uh, but that was Jim's way of saying, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, it's hot. You know, survive in advance. No you know? red flags. No red flags nope. here. No nope. like crap at the Big East tournament. It's fine. It's fine. Almost losing a 116? No. Nah. No. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It happens. These little teams, they get, you know. Let's yeah. play Kentucky. So then, this was fun to be at in person. <laughs> UConn has never played Kentucky at this point, ever. And I got the experience from sticking around for the Kentucky UAB game, which was the 8-9, in Philadelphia. And if you want a mix of unstable people, you have Philadelphia and you have Kentucky men's basketball fans. <laughs> In a city where they have a major complex because of the Leitner thing. These are the angriest, loudest people I've ever seen. And I live in New England. These people are deranged. Uh, Rajan Rondo's parents were behind me and these people were intense. These folks were intense. So even though UConn almost is all, I'm like all hyped up. Like, oh, we're going to play Kentucky. This is great. This is great. And to be honest, 
best game of the four. The game no one ever really remembers. I remember John Rondo played well, but UConn, like UConn kept Kentucky at arm's length. So is the thing, UConn up 12 at the half against Kentucky. Mary, this is unbelievable. We're playing Kentucky. We're killing them. We're going to do it. We're winning. Nobody's going to beat us. Nobody. In the second half, Patrick Sparks and Joe Crawford. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that name in forever. <laughs> The most amazing, Joe Crawford only shot two threes. That's how long a time ago this was. Um, yeah, in the second half, Rondo goes nuts. Uh, distributing rebounds. He almost has a triple-double. But it's all Bobby Perry and Patrick Sparks. Uh, Sheree Thomas off the bench with 10. But Mary was fine. It was fine. You kind of held on. They won 87-83. In, in the pantheon of games I don't want to talk about, there's obviously the one and then, but this tournament, like even though UConn beat Washington, I hate talking about this game. What are we are you already want to move on to the Washington game? Because because nobody like we don't think about the Kentucky game. Like, yeah, it was close. It really, yeah. And, and it shouldn't, but you were right. You said it. Like, we don't care because. Because there was the close close shave with the 16 seed, and then there was the Washington game, which was just more red flags up everywhere. No, it's, these weren't red flags. These were hurricane gale warnings. <laughs> there is uh, weather is bad, and somebody's going to die. This oh was God. Now, for me, retrospect, I love it because I was fortunate enough to be there and see all this. And like I said, Rashad Anderson's my favorite Husky of all time. This game's why. It's pretty simple breakdown. Uh, so in this game, I don't even remember what seed Washington was. Before you go to Washington fully. Sure. So I don't know if any of you were looking at this at the time, but on the other side of your region, some team that I won't name defeated North Carolina, mm -hmm. number three, mm -hmm. three seed, and Wichita State beat second seed. How yep. much does, hey, we get to play an 11 or a 7 if we win this game, factor in from a fan <laughs> standpoint, from a player standpoint? An overwhelming amount. Okay, all right. Because we glazed over that thought. So it, it was, I was in... Philly, so like you're in the regional when you go, you kind of are, it's weird, like it's fun, but you're also, the, the downside is you're insulated from everything else. And meanwhile, I'm hearing reports out of Dayton, Ohio at the University of Dayton Arena Sorry. that something very strange is happening <laughs> in the Washington, D.C. regional. A team who by all accounts should not have been in the tournament because their star player punched another team's Star point guard directly in the testicles in the Colonial Athletic Association <laughs> tournament. This was a very controversial thing. And they were like the last at-large team in. And they go out there and they beat Michigan State and North Carolina. That's interesting. And I'm thinking it's time, man, I could have seen UConn play Michigan State or North Carolina. And instead, I gotta watch this team, but eh, we'll kill them. That was my thought process. The suburban commuter school from Fairfax, Virginia. 
not. I was really upset that we were instead of playing North Carolina or Michigan State, which is stupid. You want the easiest. You want to play four sixteen seeds, right? Like if you can. It was like it was like reports from another county, Jeremy. Of the way I've have you ever read about the history of hurricane forecasting and Galveston? How the great Galveston hurricane happened. Ah, it's like an outbreak, dude. It's like the beginning of a pandemic. You're like, oh man, that sucks. There were wire reports in Galveston coming out of Cuba, but just nobody believed them. They're like, oh, this can't have happened. I have to say, in the last like four or five minutes, we've said uh, pandemic and Dayton, Ohio, and I'm getting a little triggered over here. <laughs> so just, I didn't care. Weird. For me, I wasn't like you were. You were there. You were working. I didn't care about them at that point because I was in crisis because of my team, this dominant, wonder fucking amazing team was pooping its pants against Albany, Kentucky and Washington. I was having problems. There was poop everywhere. Like <laughs> it shouldn't, <laughs> this tournament run shouldn't have None of it should have happened this way. None of it. But hey, what, hap- what happened? We haven't gotten. To, we haven't talked about Washington. Jeremy, not. I want to make this clear. <laughs> the most impressive and terrifying single game opponent I have ever seen in my life with my two eyes was Brandon Roy in this game. Mm-hmm. Brandon Roy, and this is the Pac-12. Not on, I mean, it's not on TV now, but like it really wasn't on TV then. They were like a rumor. They existed somewhere out. We played them in the 98 tournament legendary game, and I just they, I don't know what had happened to them since then. They've been on one seed, but they might as well not have existed. And then they have this fucking alien on their team. And it becomes very apparent very quickly that I don't think UConn can stop this guy. This went back when he still had knees. Yes. He... I, had to, I had to look it up because I, I knew it was – I thought it was a million, but they, they actually had 26 turnovers. I knew it was a lot. It wasn't a million, but 26 oh. is still a very high number and a number that you do not want to have in an NCAA tournament game. Um, Marcus Williams posts one of the <laughs> most baffling statistical lines in the history of the sport of college basketball. He had 26 points. Four rebounds, eight assists, and four seven, fouls, seven turnovers. Seven turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> and but do you remember the last turnover? The last one he had. UConn has a two-point lead. They're clutching on to a two-point lead, seconds away from victory. Well, Marcus Williams turns the ball over. Yeah. I think it was a high screen they tried, and it was like 35 feet from the basket. And it's like, it hadn't worked all game, but this time, uh, but there's a the key moment in that game, by the way. The most important thing Rudy Gay like ever did, or at UConn arguably, is with about eight minutes to go in this game. Brandon Roy, who is just rotating who he's cooking on this UConn team, doesn't matter who is on, roasting them all. He commits a foul, and then Rudy Gay starts barking at him, and he gets teed up. Rudy Gay doubled his – he went from two fouls to four immediately. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mary, 
It is the only reason they win that game. Lorenzo, <laughs> here's the name, Lorenzo Romar. Oh, yeah. Puts Brandon Roy on the bench for the next like six minutes because he has four fouls. And you caught immediately. Marcus Williams, the air is cleaner. The sky is the the sun is shining brighter. You got it's in the if you watch the broadcast of this game, there's a point they cut to Brandon Roy on the bench and he is physically sick because it's killing him to not be in this game. And he knows why he's not in. And it is the only reason. And UConn, like, because I want to say Washington was up like seven or eight points at the game in control, and UConn just chipped away. Chipped 11. Away. They were and, up by 11. And UConn chips away. And like you said, Mary, they take a punch, but they respond. They chip away. They chip uh-huh. away. And I get, I'm, I'm furious because Lorenzo Romar finally puts him back in with like three minutes to go. And that leads to the sequence you mentioned. And they foul him. Washington's up two. UConn has to foul. UConn foul. Brandon Roy hits the first free throw. He misses the second. UConn either immediately calls timeout. I think they do. Call timeout. And they, I'm in the second row, court side. They come up near me, basically, near sideline, if you watch the clip of it. They run just a basic high screen for Rashad Anderson. Rashad gets the ball, and it's, it's Washington's already drawn dead. And Rashad hits a, a three to tie the game with like two seconds left, up three feet in front of me. And then, and it's the perfect summation of this team. Rashad doesn't. The fact there were three seconds left and there were no timeouts for Washington did not occur to really to Rashad Anderson because the entire media was there for him to inform who had just hit said shot as opposed to playing defense. Meanwhile, Washington mounts the ball, gets friggin' uh, uh, Ryan Appleby in the corner. Wide open. Wide open Ryan Appleby, a good shooter. (laughs) One UConn guy flies at him with the other four are celebrating, basically. Somehow he hits the rim and it forces OT. And then Rashad basically, he's been celebrating, sees this, looks over his shoulder, comes back and starts like high-fiving Joe D'Ambrosio, the UConn, main UConn play-by-play guy, Wayne Norman, who's still the UConn color commentator, he goes over to friggin' Bill Raftery, who is my favorite call of all time. Bill Raftery is incredulous this has occurred. But Washington has let Rashad Anderson, who is one of like two three-point shooters in college basketball of any note, was Rashad Anderson. And he's screaming, you've got to know! They didn't foul, they didn't foul him up three, and they let him get a shot off. And he's basically mean mugging Vern Lundquist and and Bill <laughs> Raftery, and he's right near me. Well, I'm yeah, I'm not exactly a calm person to begin with. This I've got the audio on a computer somewhere, guys. It is, I am a not surprisingly, I'm a mess. Um, so they force OT. Uh they got OT. They do foul Brandon Roy out, and at mm-hmm. that point, at that point, the goose is cooked for Washington. UConn pulls away. You got scored 16 points in OT, which is kind of back then is pretty nuts. Um, my main thought at the time, UConn had not given up 100 points since the 95 regional, or the yeah, since the 95 regional final against UCLA. My main concern on it. This is how confident I was, Jeremy. I was thinking, well, they don't give up 100 points because they haven't done that since 95. You know, that's that's my main concern. Losing has still not occurred to me as a reasonable thing. And this game, Mary, well, they got this. 
it's we're 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 a team of destiny now. Clearly, they could team. get the clutch shot. They could get the clutch shot when they needed it. Uh, yeah. And the other half of it, hot balls, is you know I had I'd watched a little bit of the first the uh, the other regional semifinal. A couple of real weird teams. I never thought I would see in person. Um. <sighs> One of them was a team. I'm sure UConn was never going to cross paths with Wichita never. State University. Never talked about them at all. I don't even know where they're from. No, Wichita State. UConn would never be in a league with them for years and years and have no way of beating them. <laughs> very very good school in South Dakota. They had a yeah. uh, very good baseball team back in the early 1980s, I hear. And I remember watching that game, and it was a 7-11 game. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is great. One, UConn's going to get an easy opponent, easy in quotes. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is what the tournament's about because the way it is, Jeremy, you know this. They, it, when you get to the regionals, it's real apparent. Each school gets like a corner of the arena and they're opposites. So you had like Wichita State on one side and somebody else on the other. And then to, directly in front of me, uh, like in my line of sight, was the UConn corner. And it was like watching people like go through a heart attack, the whole the Rashad Anderson thing and like the band, people are losing their minds. People are just hugging in the aisles and stuff. And it's important to note because of what we talked about. This was the least popular public team ever. Nobody <laughs> wanted UConn to win. Nobody. The Marcus Williams thing, the AJ Price thing. And on the other side, you've got a very easy to root for story. Even if, again, the best player punched a rival's point guard directly in the dick and balls during the <laughs> tournament game. So, you know, we were the bad – that was the other thing, Mary. We were the bad guys. Yeah, we'll be the bad guys, UConn. We'll be the bad guys. Mm, I like being the bad guy. <laughs> so, so we have to talk about this game. We have to talk oh, about no. this game. Nope. Nope. So, we've we've danced around this game <laughs> and this team a lot. We, we actually haven't said the name of – the school if i don't even know if this is a school it's, at this point, it's a or... horrific right-wing think tank <laughs> it does not have fans it does not exist but my sources indicate i'll do it <laughs> i honestly i was going to propose that we all go around and say the team out of fairfax virginia an at-large selection from the colonial athletic association the 11 seed in the Washington DC regional, the Patriots of George Mason University. <laughs> <laughs> I that this is how MJ felt at the end of the flu game. I've got nothing. I can't I don't know if I can do this, Jeremy. I don't didn't know. It, didn't MJ win the flu game? <laughs> <laughs> right, dude. Sorry, that was there's nothing um, that gets me more excited in the NCAA tournament than looking over at the other bracket. Yup, the best big numbers. And and every time I've looked over at the other side of the bracket and seen big numbers, do you know how many times it's worked out for me? Not negative. Do you know negative. the joy and elation that I had my first foray into this was 1994. Remember when when we go to Miami? Yep, Miami Arena games at like 11:45 at night. Bill Curley. And Boston College, who fucking stunk that year, knock off North Carolina, who genuinely that year was was coming off a national title. They're legit, right? Yep. Gone. They're in the regional, right? Indiana's a five seed or a four seed. I think they're a five. 
Not a good Indiana team either. Probably a little overseeded. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it's just Florida. Yep. Nobody cares about basketball, Florida. Demetrius Hill, he's an athletic guy. I mean, he's funny. He's a personality. Demetrius Hill or Demetrio, he's a funny guy. Andrew Clark's pretty legit, but like, yeah, you know, that's Florida. They're not. They like football. They like football. And so that was my first experience gazing over the other side of the bracket being like, it's wide open. (laughs) It's wide open. It's going to be Austin, Arkansas. Yep. In the final. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You it were one in the morning at the Miami Arena. It is approximately 900 degrees. The UConn men's basketball team enjoyed South Beach the night before, according to multiple sources. Very mm. South Beach did. Uh, saw what had happened. The worst thing to happen, and I think it poor trends into this too, is they they knew what happened in the other game. And they knew if we just beat Florida. We played BC team. We had UConn won what thirty three in a row against Boston College. This was in the middle of that. They just needed to beat a team they had not lost to since the Reagan administration to go to their first Final Four, and they had a guy who still to this day holds the biggest record for free throws in a game at the line with five seconds left, and he has to hit one. And he hits one of the top of three it. players in college basketball just has to hit one. You're trying so hard to not talk about this game right now. After he misses the first You're, one. This, one is, this is impressive. This is really impressive. Like, what year are we in right now? What are you, what are you doing? You <laughs> came with Grant Hill at Cherokee Parks. That's what not what we're talking about. After, after he misses the first free throw, one of the Florida guys goes through the key, swear to God, and says, remember, the whole world is watching. And he misses the other one. They lose an OT. Florida goes to a Final Four instead of Jim Calhoun. Florida, a school that will never do anything in basketball. Stinks. This will come full circle as you can sense. Um, and It'll so go I around watched, the George Mason game. I've watched George Mason, Wichita State. And, Jeremy, my thoughts are as simple as this. I'm like, this will be a coronation for UConn. But as it became true, probably the worst thing that could have happened, honest to God, to this UConn team. If they played Michigan State – or North Carolina, because the Kentucky's the proof. They would have been fine. They would have been fine. But the worst thing that could happen was to play a team that they didn't respect and they didn't think was on their level. And the problem is they're in the regional final and they have plowed through Michigan State and North Carolina and Wichita State with a complete psychopath head coach to get there. And a team that had... Has had less to lose other than St. Peter's last year. There's not been a team in the history of college basketball with less to lose than that George Mason Patriots team had that day. I remember going in, and it drives me insane. The one thing people, UConn fans, when they talk about this, that drives me insane, and Jim Calhoun brings this up, and he's just wrong. UConn has a history of playing road games in regional finals. 
they have the audacity to bring this up because the game was in Washington, D.C. I want to reiterate, UConn was the number one overall seed <laughs> playing an 11 seed who probably shouldn't have been in the tournament from the Colonial. They're near Fairfax, but guys, like, let's... That really isn't a thing I could be... And I was there. Nobody knows who George Mason is in Washington, yeah. D.C. anyways. Like, yeah. nobody knows. And they're kind of... It, yeah, I mean, this isn't losing to Florida and Miami. This isn't <laughs> losing to UCLA and Oakland. This isn't losing... North Carolina and Greensboro. Yep. We even got screwed again, didn't we? We had to play. So, oh. yeah, there were play uh, Texas and San Antonio. Yeah, we had to play Texas. Um, the, now it was a wild scene being there. It was very heavy. George Mason, a lot of locals, the number of Maryland people with brand new tag George Mason green and gold shirts. <laughs> <Pretty amazing. laughs> Georgetown fans streaming in. But I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's part of the deal. Got like guys, like they could have played the game wherever. UConn wasn't getting like a, like it was going to be a hostile crowd against the bad guy team, no matter where they played. But it, but it shouldn't have mattered. Like it, exactly. it really shouldn't have mattered. This team was first in the league in total rebounds per game, first in offensive rebounds per game, first in blocks, fifth in points, fifth in free throws. This team was a wagon. Yeah. It was a wagon. Like, it should not have mattered. That is the cheapest thing. Like, oh, big freaking deal. They and then. Yeah, this, this team This team also, honest to goodness, like, I, I don't think I'm overstating it. This team plays a best of seven series against any other team we've had. That includes 99. Probably includes 04. They'd absolutely trample 11 and 14. 09 is on par, I think, talent-wise. In terms of athleticism, that would have been their maybe their toughest matchup, even 02. But this team probably beats every other UConn team we have in the best of seven series. Like, this is the most talented group we've ever had in terms of their ability to do absolutely everything and anything on a basketball court. And the other thing about this is it'd be easy to like talk about – well, it wouldn't be easy to talk about this game. If you talk about it, the way you think it might have happened was like, oh, it's tickets are – UConn, the first half, for 18 minutes, plays great. They come out. Seriously. They came out hot, punched them right in the mouth, very quickly up 8, 10, 12 points. Then, as I tweeted, the first moment that I ever in this season, having been there five feet from it for like three quarters of it, travel all over the country to watch it. It's been incredible. The first time when I finally broke and thought, Something's wrong. I know the exact moment when it all came apart. It's exact moment. With 10 seconds left in the first half, hmm. Marcus hits Rashad Anderson for a three-pointer. Beautiful. There was a thing earlier in the half, by the way, where UConn was kind of not great rebounding, but like they'd had the lead. It was kind of like, huh, that's weird. No, you know, they that's, up six or eight. that's important. That's important because this team was ridiculous on the glass. They were ridiculous all year. And they, George Mason is they're totally disadvantaged in size and athleticism. Yeah, yeah. They should not have been in any universe out rebound or like getting any rebounds. Like right. the one thing I will say about them was like their big dudes were freaking big, like not in a good way. Like Will Thomas and Jai Lewis, 
who will be the last things I see before I die, <laughs> were the size of a house. And it shouldn't have mattered because re- if you're one of these people that thinks rebounding is about will and positioning, you know what makes up for that? If you're three bills. And UConn's <laughs> guys just couldn't move Fuller and fucking Campbell or Will fucking Thomas out of the way. Somehow there were teammates with somehow Tony Skin hadn't gotten suspended. He's the guy that punched the guy in the junk, I think. But UConn, you know, despite that, the rebounding was a little weird. Eight, ten points, ten seconds left in the half. Rashad hits a three. Great. Sits by Marcus Williams. UConn is going to go into the half up 12 points. George Mason's had a wonderful run. It's been a lovely story. Everything's nice, but nice stories come to an end. As North Carolina, a program that does not care about anything anymore, has given up any pretension of trying, did to St. Peter's in the late eight. And then with two seconds left in the first half, Ed Nelson fouls Fuller and Campbell inside and gives up an and one. Mm-hmm. And instead of being a 12-point lead at the half, it's a nine-point lead. Last play of the half, very pro-George Mason. They leave the court. They're going nuts. Crowd's going nuts. They're like, all right, we took their best punch, and we're only down nine. And that was that was when I, I the fear hit for me, hot balls. I don't know about for you. Really? That's the thing. You kind of had like a double-digit lead in this game for a long time. I'm trying to think when I knew we were fucked. I can't believe how much of this game I've blacked out. It's important to note that they came out in the second half. Basic, first of all, I actually like that Jim Laranaga turns out as a Hall of Fame coach. It makes this all easier to accept, even though I like hated him for a while. Uh, because whatever he did at halftime is why he should be in the Hall of Fame. Because he kept that team believing throughout all that. Even in that situation, they came out in the second half. That, that George Mason band played Living on a Prayer, I think, 43 times. And the whole crowd, I mean, the whole <laughs> crowd was singing it. You think it was bad for you? I was surrounded by 18,000 lunatics singing Living on a Prayer for two hours. Uh, they come out, they go right in the lane. They go right at Josh Boone. They go right at Ed Nelson. Uh, Hot Pulse, I don't know if you want to break down the Ed Nelson on-court experience. Really great player, really good guy, talented, mm-hmm. but... Uh, susceptible to physical contact. Yeah. Another guy that kind of has always had that reputation, right. Of being a real banger and was not a banger. Cut off big guns, big shoulders, cut off shirts, swamp thing, (laughs) boring out girls in the back of the pickup truck, whatever it is. Not a tough guy, man. You could kind of move him around at your will. And that was the one thing. I mean, he, you know, Easy guy to go straight at, especially when guys got going downhill. And um, they came right at us early in that second half and just went right at guys. Mason comes out second half, start making layups, Mary. UConn goes five minutes without a basket, but they finally get one. They finally get one. Jeff Adrian, best freshman that actually enrolled at UConn, five-star freshman, great player for UConn. When the bullets were flying, they were in the foxhole. Nobody could did anything. The crowd, the momentum is building. This is the wave is building. They go Jeff Adrian, the freshman, the one guy who hasn't won a national championship, 
who, who hasn't been a star, who hasn't been expected, who isn't winking at the camera, the guy who's here to, like, make his mark as a freshman, he is the guy that go to inside and he hits a basket to break the, to break the, the, the long drought. And then immediately at the other end, Fuller and Campbell hits a three and the game is tied at 49. So for me, it wasn't the, the end one to end half. I didn't, I didn't feel it yet. It was when they came out with the eight, no run is where I started to say, Oh, and I actually, so I was in a dorm room with friends watching this game and I had, I had my dad on the phone because we talked during halftime of every game. And I, I was so like weirdly into luck and like thinking that I, I don't know, like you wear, you have to wear the same shirt. You have to do whatever the same thing. And like, I couldn't hang up on him, but I also thought it would be bad luck if I talked to him because of the games. So like I had my phone open in my back pocket, but I was not talking to him and he was just on the line hanging out that's like how weird this game was. Blanket. <laughs> it was this, it was so i just i felt like an insane person watching all they, of this unfold i felt like an actual mental patient like it was i, I think it was the 8-0 run that got me too because yeah. it, it was there's a thing in sports and i really believe this in college sports where there there's certain teams that are just too stupid to understand that they don't belong being in a game yeah it is kind of just let it all hang out it's not I, i'd love to give jim credit for whatever the halftime spiel was there's just a thing when you are in a position like they were where it's like you just tee it high and you let it rip and freaking shots start falling and you just kind of keep going back to the same things and just keep doing them and there's no method to the madness. And I think sometimes, particularly in college sports, it's like the guy at the poker table has no idea what he's doing and he's absolutely cleaning everybody out. It's really hard to like strategize and try to figure out how to stop that, especially when you have your own group of 18 to 22 year old kids who, you know, are also emotional basket cases, but are immediately headed in the wrong direction. And it's just amazing how quickly your back can feel like it's up against the wall when that's happening. And it was as soon as they tied that on that three, I was like, we're in deep dog shit because they're just playing. They're throwing the basket. Whatever they're doing is going to stick. And we don't really have an answer. They were lights out. They were shooting lights out. They had six, six threes. I had to look. I couldn't remember the six straight threes. And this is two thousand six. That happens, yeah. and UConn. The thing when you see it clenches, if you look at the play by play, the guys who were like the key of the team, the core of the team, who had won national championship, like Hilton Armstrong, Denim Brown for this during this period, but especially Hilton Armstrong and Josh Boone. Josh Boone's entire history at UConn is drastically different simply because of this game. And I actually think it's kind of unfair. Um, just disappear. They did the Hilton and Josh completely disappear from the face of the yeah. earth. They yeah. do absolutely nothing. And there's a point in the second half at which, and this is why I think Rudy Gay unfairly gets a bad rap is because he gets all of these guys, Jeremy, this game is the, like the, 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 is the scarlet letter on all of them. They aren't really around the program. They don't really get shown at the game when they're at the game. It's it's like really uncomfortable 
And I think it's actually out of line given it's been 17 years, if I'm honest. And given that UConn has pulled two national championships along with the third final four, but two national championships completely out of their own ass since this happened, okay? Which is how I deal with it, personally. Um, but they just disappear. Josh and Hilton disappear completely. Ed Nelson disappear. And Rudy Gay at one point in the second half when things are going way sideways and the only thing they could get in this game was Jeff Adrian doesn't want to take any shit. But he's not. He's a really limited offensive player. And Rudy Gay kind of takes over. Rudy gets them, keeps them from just losing this game by 10. This thing goes so sideways in the second half, it's insane. And Rudy kind of keeps them in it. But Tony Skin and Fuller and Campbell and Tony Skin and Fuller and Campbell and goddammit Jai Lewis, that big son of a bitch, just killing them, killing them. They looked rattled. Like, I remember they looked like they knew that they weren't going to be able to pull this out. And I, I, I remember feeling that and watching them and not being confident because when I looked at them, they looked rattled. The problem with this team at the end was that it was a team full of number two guys. They didn't. Now, they had guys who, I mean, I would kill for any of these one guys on UConn right now, but at the time, they felt like really strong number two options. And the closest thing to that in terms of being able to take a game over, and he kind of did, was Rudy Gay. But Rudy's not much of a shooter. But he's like, Rudy can create stuff more than anybody else on this team could, really. Marcus needs somebody else. Marcus Williams had 11 assists in this game. You know, Marcus wasn't going to drop 30. He needed somebody to be able to finish. And he, could, he had 11 assists. He probably would have had 20 if Hilton or Josh makes a fucking layup or dunk. At any point in the second half, uh, but they don't, and so they're stuck. And them getting overtime is a goddamn miracle in and of itself, Mary. Mason has a four point lead with 23 seconds left, and for the only time in this entire run, to their credit, George Mason looks scared. Because it's all fun and it's a wonderful Cinderella story till you have a chance to finish it. And all fun and games until you got a chance to really actually completely, totally in real life go to the final four. Yep. So and UConn, last 10 seconds, man, they take the punch great. They uh 20 seconds left, Marcus hits a jumper. Miracle. Uh then Rudy fouls. Are you it's talking a about one one. It's a one and one for Tony Skin. It's the it's like the most pressure free throw I've ever like. It was uncomfortable. Misses it. Come down mm-hmm. court. Denim Brown awakens from his slumber and hits basically the same shot he hit to win the Maui Invitation. Yeah, the reverse. It was yeah, it was a reverse layup. Yeah, he hits a layup with one second to go, yeah. and they force OT. Mm-hmm. But unlike the Washington game. For all the other times, I still did not feel. I don't know, Hopball. Did you feel even with the crazy way they forced OT? Did you think they were going to win at that point? I thought we were fucked. I no. I thought we were fucked. I was. I was no. absolutely there. I, I was past the delusion at that point. Um, our our advantage was our length and our athleticism. I got. I'm a little different, I guess. When I, but uh, when your length and athleticism isn't isn't your guys down low that have distinct advantages over the other team are executing shit. Um, it's tough. 
to win that basketball game. And that, and we just didn't, we didn't have an answer for anything they were doing offensively. And we're so late on our rotations. I'm like, again, it's, it's like the guy that doesn't know what he's doing at the poker table, you know, running the table. Like you get, you can know everything that you want to. And there's just an element of guessing to it. And that's where I felt like we were at, even where we were going. I, I thought we were fucked. Points in the paint were approximately 900 to three for George Mason in the second half of OT. Because it Sounds was right. just like they hit the threes. But then when they got to this point, George Mason realized about five minutes ago, we can just go inside at these guys and we have nothing to lose. And at no point did UConn put up enough resistance. It's just Chai Lewis layup, Will Thomas layup, Chai Lewis layup, Will Thomas layup, Fuller Campbell. It's just the same thing over and over again. And UConn would run like, try to run their skill stuff. Like we're, you know, three, they hit a couple threes, jump shots. And George Mason comes down and they're just building the house. They're just putting up, they're just, they're just framing the house, basic stuff. It's like a kid in the arcade just spamming the button. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you get to a point where it's, um, you know, you're the difference between the top level teams and the mid major ish schools, your Atlantic 10 teams, is always length and athleticism. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Jeremy, the best team in your league is Fordham. Stop. <laughs> so, like, that's the difference. That's the dividing line, you know? And when that size and that athletic, overall athleticism stops becoming a mountain to climb for a team, and they understand that it doesn't mean anything right now, and that they can go straight at you, especially your bigger and more athletic guys, you can't stop it. You know, once that snowball gets downhill, and so, yeah, man, I hate this fucking there was a point in this game at which Jim Calhoun, to his credit, finally hit the limit. Josh Boone only plays 20 minutes of this game because Josh was soft. Stunk. He stunk out the gaff. And he went to, and I'm so glad he got a Final Four later. I was more critical of him than most UConn fans. I know that's no shock to you two, me having a terrible UConn pick. Um, but like Jeff Adrian had a great UConn career and really this game gets like lost because it didn't happen. Right. But like Jeff Adrian as a freshman in that situation, when the guy he's supposed to be learning from Josh Boone, national champion, and not have a great NBA career forward just is scared. Josh Boone had four rebounds in this game. He played 20 minutes. He was horrendous. And Jeff Adrian said, you know what, if you don't want it, I'll do it. And he went in there and he was awesome. He was their only life inside because one they, team had nothing to lose and Jeff Adrian had nothing to lose. And the rest of the UConn guys had everything to lose. And they played they played like they didn't really life's I, life's all about incentives, guys. You know, and what motivates people at the end of the day. And if this game isn't a classic classic example of that, I don't know what is. Because for looking back for these UConn guys, for most of them, it's like, well, I won a national championship for arguably the greatest UConn team. Talent wise has ever been. This was like the this would have been this was a nice to have for them. While for the three of us, it was a complete mental breakdown. Uh that's the difference. And for these guys, look, you late in the season was what it was. NBA draft was soon. There's only so many times you're gonna let George Mason punch you in the face where you're gonna I think they just they to their credit, George Mason just broke him. They just absolutely broke him in OT. <laughs> You're right to say that they were broken because everything that had worked for them, it did not work. And Hotballs, you were saying that too. Like, 
remember when I was trying to find exactly when it was, I think it was when it was 8480. And so it was 8480 and Rashad, 42 seconds, Rashad had a three and he airballed it. Like Rashad yeah. Anderson, Rashad Anderson has a three to, to bring the game to one. And of all people, he airballed it. Like that to me is like the that like that's the game. Like two days after hitting the most difficult like high pressure yep. three of his career, yep. a yep. year after he literally almost died of a staph infection. Yep, he's come through all that. Great player, I love him, Jeremy. I saw him airball zero threes in four years, and in overtime. That night. But that overtime, night, forty-two seconds to go. Yeah, Rashad airballs the three. They, now. The, the, like, saving grace for UConn was if George Mason was shitting their pants at the line from three minutes of regulation in. It was a, it was absolutely. That's the worst part about the game. It couldn't I end. thought they should just foul him. Throw a brick at it. The free throw line. You always get waxed by teams in the tournament that hit their free throws. We literally won a national title in 2014 because we shot free throws. That's it. The whole reason we won the whole national title. And this fucking game, those assholes fucking hit everything except free throws. Except free throws. There's except- a, I, I, on air, I wondered if UConn should just start fouling Jai Lewis. Because they hit nothing at the line. They hit everything else. <laughs> they were getting the layups. Just hack them. But they were too proud. They were too proud. And so they, they Rashad hits the Potomac with a three. Um Hilton then fouls Lewis. Lewis goes one and two. Uh, oh, Jeff. misses a jump shot, but Jeff Adrian, oh, yeah. Jeff. Once, once again, Jeff Adrian bails these idiots out, gets a rebound, gets fouled. But, however, Jeff however nope. So to me, in the pain, like, so Rashad, he missed, he airballs, airmails that shot. But then... Jeff gets that rebound and it's it's like the biggest rebound, right? It's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then he goes to the line and you're like, oh no. Jeff just at the line. You live by freshman, you die by freshman. It's We're like down that. by five and Jeff is at the line. Yeah, not the guy you wanted. <laughs> How bad the trauma is. Um, so Jeff Adrian was three of four at the line in this game. And yet the one has one. paralyzed Mary yeah. for 17 yep. years. So he goes one They're for free. two. They're free. That's in the name. <laughs> um, 75% of the time they are. By the way, in this game, George Mason shot 17 of 25 at the line and shot 9 of 18 from three. That's preposterous. <laughs> they shot fifty percent from the, they shot fifty percent from the field in the game. They shot six. They shot sub seventy at the line. Um. So yeah. So Jeff makes one of two, cuts to a five point deficit with thirty seconds four. left. And I'm just. I'm just, four. They were down four. That free throw right. made it eighty one eighty five. You're right. Now UConn, because of the time situation, just starts fouling at this point. I mean, you've been you've been there before. You were there, what five minutes ago? You were down four with twenty something seconds. Right, there. they've pulled it off once. And we got the clutch shot. We got the clutch shot. 
this team had 50 undeserved lives and it was going to just use all of them. So they had pulled it out down four with a 20 seconds left in regulation. They were going to try and do it again in OT. They were really going to try. UConn wins these games. That's what we do. We win these games. Yep. Yep. And Marcus Williams makes it a two point game with 10 seconds left. And (laughs) John Anderson (laughs) playing defense for the first time in his entire life. They have Rashad Anderson in. They don't even do offense, defense, sub him. They leave him in, and he fouls, which but I'll take. Lewis misses the free throws. Misses both. He misses both. And the ultimate hubris of all of this, a team that was unlikable for the rest of the country, a team that had, in some regards, underachieved in the tournament. A team that it looked like it was capable of putting their foot on the throat at any time. It just chose not to. They had the hubris at the end to go, what if we shoot a three to win it? Tie <laughs> the game. And to my grave, I think Denim's going to hit that shot, even though he doesn't deserve it. And he doesn't. And it's and over. He doesn't. Is this the origin of uh, play-by-play commentators or color commentators saying they don't need a three here? <laughs> you know what, though? This is, this is, there's a lot of origin stories here today, right? <laughs> Hot balls, I think they needed a three. What would a second overtime have looked like? A 10-point loss. <laughs> I, I was already there, man, heading into overtime. I was prepared for it. I'm pretty sure was Sammy Amazian on this team or was he only on the 05 <laughs> yes. team? So Jeremy, uh, you need to understand this team, in addition to five NBA players, in addition to almost having a six, in addition to almost having a seventh, also uh-huh. had one of uh-huh. France's most successful stand-up comedians. I'm not joking. <laughs> Sammy Amazian was a walk-on at UConn, had a successful career as a stand-up comic in his native France. All right. Hell yeah. I don't know where I go with that. I just felt like mentioning it. Um, so when I said Any, they had everything. Anything to stop talking about this game, right? Anything. Well, like I said they had anything. anything. But the difference for my suffering versus their suffering. Hotball's got to just – I will ask what you each did. Uh, Mary, what did you do when this game ended? Oh, you're eating. All right, Hotball's. She's been eating cookies for 17 years. Um, what did I do? You look really focused. Like this is wow. I didn't think this scab would be as bad for you. No, I mean I when I tell you I've blacked this shit out, like you are opening a cupboard in the back of my brain. It's like talking to a World War II veteran at 98 about his experiences in the war. Like it is in a chest in the attic buried under fucking 65 pounds of shit. Um, I was in grad school at the time. I went back, went to graduate school, Springfield College. I was an alumni hall. In my apartment, I had made plans a little early uh, to go out to dinner with the wife and go out with some friends because I knew we were going... (laughs) 
go to the final four. Yeah, we're going to celebrate. This was yeah. it. The coronation. We're going to go to Hooters in Springfield. We're going to order about 22 rockets. I, you know what? That was my first. I think I have the shirt too. I think I have a UConn 2006 Final Four shirt. Wow. What? Mm. I ordered one in advance. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even try and get the, I was near the boxes. I just, oh no. I should have grabbed one. If you actually have, you have it, don't you? I need, I need this more than oxygen for this to exist. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh my god! Oh my sweet merciful Jesus! Does that say 2006? Are you passing off some 1999 crap? Wow! Well, that's horrifying. Yeah, man, I've got a lot of pain in here too. You were saying you had plans to go out and like go to Hooters and all that. So what what ended up happening then? No, didn't go to Hooters. What did what did you do? <laughs> well, so, uh, this is actually a phenomenal story. story. This is an all time all time story. So I'm the residence hall director in the all male dorm at Springfield College. So to add insult to injury, so I basically not going out that night. I'm pissed off, right? like any kind of good dorm cop would do i'm like you know what fuck these kids because there's a bunch of guys clowning me i'm gonna go and be the rd on duty tonight so i'm enforcing everything you're enforcing everything i'm gonna fucking make i I told you therapies for pussies lash out take your (laughs) issues out on other people around you all right so i'm the rd on duty that night one o'clock in the morning-ish, somebody pulls the fire alarm. I have to empty the whole fucking building. We go out there and do that, all right? Three o'clock in the morning comes. Somebody pulls the fucking fire alarm again. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck these kids. They can sit across the street and sit there for fucking an hour. I legit just made them sit there for an hour. I went into my dorm. I played some video games, like... Just let them chill. And so we let everybody in. And I go in to hang in the RA office with my RAs. I'm talking to them. And, like, I haven't eaten because I couldn't eat after the game. I'm fucking – I've got no appetite. So I order – finally order a pizza. There's this, like – if you've ever been to Springfield, it's – it's Springfield College is a not great neighborhood. There's just one pizza place. It's in the middle of a very bad neighborhood. They're open till 4.30 in the morning. It's the only place that delivers, right, at that point. So I order a pizza, and I get it. I got to eat. So I go back to my apartment. God's honest truth. And I'm eating my pizza, whatever, for like 20, 25 minutes. I'm watching some TV. I got one of those old old school projection big screen TVs. Nice. That used to be in the common area. But the dean of residence life was like, you can have it, take it, because we got new TVs. So if you want it, more sense for you to take it, move it, than for me to get rid of it, right? It was, all, it was awesome. It was awesome. You watch DVDs on that, you're like, this is the fucking future. So anyways, <laughs> I'm like sitting on my couch, and I'm eating pizza, and I'm very thirsty. And sort of in my 
in my room. So I live in, I'm in an apartment and there's like the living room, the kitchen, and then the bedroom. In my bedroom, I had this big table set up that was basically my desk, right? So uh, I'm very thirsty. So I had a bottle of soda in the, in the, in my, my, my office area. So I go back to go get it. And I look back there and the light's off. And I'm like, I didn't turn the light off. The light was on, right? Maybe the light bulb burnt out. Just a passing thought. I'm not fixating on this. I'm focused on the soda. So I go get the soda, bring it out. Out there for like another 15 minutes. Time to turn in, go to bed, right? Go back in and I'm like fiddling with the light, get a new light bulb in there, right? Because I think the light's burned out or whatever. And I turn it on and I'm sitting there and I'm literally AOL instant messaging my my to be wife. This is the dying days of AOL instant messenger right around 2006. So I instant messenger, I tell her, hey, going to bed. I turn around in my chair and there is a dude in my bed with no clothes on, like not in his underwear, like so naked that it's very naked. And he's not even underneath the fucking covers. So I like immediately like the mature, responsible adult running this college dormitory. Go find as many of my RAs as I can get. And I'm like, you've got to check it out. While I'm running around like an idiot to like get a laugh out of this, campus police come strolling through, right? And I'm like, guys, you got to check this out. So I've got, no joke, 10 people in my apartment. We're like looking at this guy. And they're like, hey, sunshine, wake up, right? I'm like, do you know where you are? And I have this Canadian flag over my bed. My big part of my family's Canadian. He's like, Canada. <laughs> We wake him up, we set it a bed, whatever, right? And um, so it turns out when I let everybody back in after the fire alarm, I had left my apartment door unlocked and the kid was like blackout shit face and just walked into my fucking dorm, closed the door, turned the light off and went right to bed in my bed. And he thought he was in his room. So that is how my fucking day ended. It was watching George Mason exterminate maybe the greatest UConn basketball team of all time. And then had a naked drunk dude in my bed. And yeah. that naked dude in your bed, that's right. Congressman George Santos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mary, what's your horror story of experiencing this? Mine is much shorter. Um, is your dad still on the phone, Mary? My dad's still on the phone. He never hung up in the back pocket. So I take the phone out of my back pocket and I throw it as hard as I can across my friend's dorm room. And I walk out without my phone um, and I go to, I can't remember which dining hall. I went to a dining hall and ingested roughly like 7,000 calories in food yeah, um, yeah. until I'm in pain. Um, and then I take out my iPod and I put on Radiohead and walk around campus for like two hours <laughs> and cry <laughs> and cry. Um, yeah. and that's it. That's what I did. So when you're student radio, the, the way it works in the NCAA tournament at UConn, you're part of the traveling party. Like that you're in, which is kind of a great gig in that you're, you're with the cheerleaders and the band and you, and they put all of you in the same hotel as the basketball team. 
which in the NCAA tournaments is great. We're staying at the same hotel. We're in a nice fancy hotel in DC. So the game ends. It's not gone well. Jai Lewis after the game, not immediately after, but like during the, when they're waiting to get the, the regional championship trophy and stuff, they're jumping up on like the, the court side tables and like literally standing on my table. I'm like, this is, this is, this is, this is the seventh circle of hell. 20,000 quote George Mason fans singing living on a prayer at the top of their lungs as they're getting the trophy. And I'm just waiting. So we go out, we put our stuff away and we've got to part of it with the NCAA is, I mean, it was the last game of the week anyway. You have got to get the hell out, whether you win or lose. So we are. I am trying to get back to our ride back from D.C. because it was a bus, eight-hour bus ride. After that, real exciting, uh, back to Connecticut from D.C. with the band. And so the band is, meanwhile, they're pissed off. Cheerleaders are pissed. The band's loading up the friggin', you know, the drums underneath the bus. Speaking and- of people with a lot to lose, that's like their fucking Super Bowl, man. Right. You lose in the final four, you get to cry and play a piccolo. Exactly. You know, there's like so many opportunities to become a celebrity. <laughs> it's over. So I'm just waiting to get on the bus and put my things in. Meanwhile, they're loading up the bus with like all band shit, and fans are coming by right there, and they're talking shit. They're drunk as hell, you know, Delco people. And I thought the UConn band was going to fight everybody. They were as pissed as anyone talking shit. Meanwhile, I'm thinking my entire stuff is that I was going to call the Final Four. And it has been, you know, I'm devastated because I have lost this, in retrospect, really meaningless opportunity. You're a college kid. It's all about you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm devastated. The band's devastated because they were going to go to the Final Four, you know. It's that fucking George Mason's going. We get on a bus immediately. We're all starving and miserable. We're driving. It's all 95. So just make this drive back as long as possible. My memory of the drive back was that we somehow found out that the, the women's basketball team was playing in the regional in Bridgeport, and they were playing Georgia. And Barbara Turner hit a buzzer beater to put them in the Elite Eight. And then two days later, so we're back home. We're like, oh, that's nice. At least that happened. Two days later, well, the women are going to go to the Final Four. No, the women lose in Bridgeport to Duke in the Elite Eight. First of all, the UConn women losing the Elite Eight now seems ridiculous, but it happened. So it was just the most miserable 72 hours possible. Just intense misery. Intense misery. I didn't get to go to a Final Four. And that, by the way, I was a senior. So that was, that was it for me. That was it. That was my last game doing basketball was that. Was that fucking George Mason game? I, I never had. I never had a championship. I didn't have 04. I had Julius Hodge. I had George Mason. I had the AJ Price knee explosion. I had San one. Diego. Like, yeah. I had nothing. So yeah, I mean the. And that's the whole reason you chose to go to school there. That's that was the, the whole reason. Mary is the only honest college student that's ever existed because the only reason that she went to UConn. Was just she wanted to watch some basketball. That's it. <laughs> Jeremy doesn't know this. I, I, when I was picking colleges, I was like, okay, yeah, I want a degree, but like, who's gonna win a title? So the schools I applied to included oh, Mary. Syracuse, so they're out. I had applied to Maryland because they'd won in two thousand two. Steve Blake, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, that team. Well, like that, I applied. Yes. I, I Those wanted. Nice <laughs> so. Um, I but I I went to UConn and I I wanted to not lose games and um, right. and here we are 
Well, it's and very on we brand for all of us. Mary cried. Zach stuffed himself in a confined space. I want to be clear. And it I is- just lashed out at people. <laughs> mindlessly. Yes. It is the closest I've this ever. How we cope. It's the closest I've ever come to crying over sports. Like by like. Oh, this- I cried. I my last adult cry was the 03, 03. ALCS. Yeah. For like for me, it's like in terms of it's one of the two worst days of my life, which means I, it's gone pretty well. I fully admit that. But th- this is like there's the the 04 ALCS of the Yankee fan. No, that's nothing. That was like a controlled collapse. This this is the worst thing I've ever experienced. And I hope it stays that way. I think it will be because it'd be hard to top, man. I mean, this is I bet they'll try, um, but it'll be hard to top. Um and yeah, that's kind of the postscript to it, Jeremy. Is so it ends. All these guys go to the NBA, a lot of these guys go to the NBA. They're successful. It's a full on reload the next year. They start hot, but everyone kind of knows it's kind of schedule laden, and they end up they struggle. But it's the new core of of a of a next great UConn team, and it's led by Jeff Adrian and AJ Price. AJ <laughs> Price not, doesn't have to worry about. Can we not? Can we not? <laughs> if this team. Beats George Mason, which maybe you've played out many times in your in your dreams. Um, do they win the title? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. If this team has Andrew Bynum, do they beat George Mason? No. I don't think so. People say no. I don't think so. I don't think that he would have been able to stop anything. He was 18. He wasn't gonna stop Jai yeah. Lewis. Bynum and Bynum had a rough couple of early years in the NBA too. Right. Like he wasn't a yeah. that was a projection pick, so no. Okay. Um, all right. I want everyone to say George Mason. No. George Mason. Hey man, we it all evens out. <laughs> we got we got Kemba and Shabazz. That's how I deal with it. All right. Um you said earlier that like this team gets a bad rap, obviously, because of this, like kind of shunned from the program and so forth. What would your guys' message to this team be if you have one? It's okay, guys. You won a national title in 04. It's fine. Shit happens. I'm over. Like, I want to know what the hell happened. That's a lie. I'm not over. I'm not over. (laughs) I was going to say, therapy doesn't work that quickly. (laughs) I kind of want to know when's the point they knew. Because, you know, I I think after 17 years. They they knew. That's the thing. Like we were talking about what we knew, like they knew. And um, yeah, man, God. I mean, there's no point in saying like, you should have won or you like, they know that they know that there's, there's no point in any of that. There's, I don't know. There's nothing to say. It's really just like they said, shit happens. You know, they could have won the question, but like how many teams though, even when you look at all the blue bloods, right? 99 is Duke's best team. And yeah. it didn't win a national title. Right. And like that 2015 team that Kentucky had, probably their best team. Didn't win a national title. All right. UNLV in 1991 went undefeated all the way through. I'm still convinced in my pea brain that they threw that game, but didn't win a national title. Right. That team was better than an all time great team the year before. Um, that's it in a nutshell, man. Like, and at the end of the day, the NCAA tournament has a weird way 
of balancing itself out. And for every 06 or 96 or 94 or, I mean, 95, I'm not sore about because UCLA was the best team in the country that year. It was us in UCLA. Um, we just got outscored. Um, you know, it has a way of balancing itself out. And we were able to get two more. I'm still convinced that the 2011 team is a lot better than people give it credit for. 14, 14 team was a gift. 14, like, ridiculous, objectively, that that team won a title. But this team and this game, nothing good happened. There was nothing positive. Um, I just, I would like, I don't think it's intentional those guys were shunned. I wish that wasn't the case because, like, let's be adults about it, you know. But I'm hopeful, you know. Are they feeling that shunned, though? Like, I, I don't know, man. Ed Nelson was speaking with the team earlier this year, like, you know, I think there's definitely a certain section of the fan base, and every school has them. That is certainly in that that area. But that's who I mean. I, like the school is fine with it. I need the fans to get over it. Yeah, I mean, even though I can't. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't ask that. You can't ask for that. I mean, it's I. I wouldn't say that. You know, anyone should be a jerk to any of those guys if they ever met them or saw them, because that's lame. Like they're human beings. Get over it. But the you don't get over that loss you never get over that loss like it's it's a moment in time and it is what it is and there's no i don't know there's no getting over that yeah the pain fuels the joy right like if the pain doesn't hurt the joy doesn't feel good i guess but man this hurt this this is brutal well i feel like we, so bad Jeremy. i feel like we unpacked a lot i feel like this was like the soviet union documentary that they did <laughs> <laughs> George Mason thing's only more amazing now because they're just so mid-tier. All those teams that have moved up in leagues and shit, and they're just futzing around there in Fairfax. And Does, I, yeah. we almost played them in a Virgin Islands tournament, and I want to say 2010. I wanted them so bad. We've never played them since. I want to schedule them next November. I won by 70 points. I want to full-court press them for 40 minutes. <laughs> Even though, like... Even though leading up to that game, like the pregame, the halftime, they're just going to show this game over yes. and over. Stefan Castle, I know you were negative five-year-old when this happened. I don't <laughs> care. I want blood tonight. I actually made friends with some, one of my very best friends. She and I became friends because she went to Hofstra and she hates George Mason. And that is the bond that started our best friendship. That's so beautiful. All the best things come from little hate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I hated talking about Jeremy, but I also loved do I didn't love doing it, but I am with people if they're these are the only three people I could talk with about this. My therapist Jeremy and the two people who I know are just as miserable out as I am. Uh, what a what a grotesque, horrific decision this was. We've had a wonderful history, Jeremy. We've had so many great things we could have talked about. And you just decided to just aim a shotgun directly at my junk, much like Tony Skin did with his right hand in the 2006 Colonial Athletic Association tournament. He should not have been allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. It's an outrage, and I'm not bitter about it.
Well, why don't, I, why don't really we start with... I have a basketball prop. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Hurley Mania. Uh, Hello, Hurley Mania. <laughs> Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every Every time you buy gas, use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.